0: Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The <laughs> makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self Polishing Glow Coats present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. This is the time of year when most of us get our greatest pleasure and comfort out of our homes. With winter coming on, it's especially pleasant to sit in a warm, snug, attractive room and read or talk or listen to the radio. Now you can add to your enjoyment of these evenings if you make your rooms more beautiful with Johnson's Paste Wax. Your living room, for example, it's a much more attractive place to be if the floors have a polished wax luster. And the beauty that you give your floors with Johnson's Paste Wax is a beauty that lasts. Partly because Johnson's Wax forms a hard coat over your floors, a coat that protects the wood from dirt and scratches. And partly because a waxed and polished floor is so easy to clean. Dirt comes off that smooth surface with a few strokes of a dust cloth. Next time you go to the store, ask for Johnson's Paste Wax. Let it make your house a warmer-looking, richer-looking, pleasanter place to live in during the winter months ahead. Twain once said, Everybody talks about the weather, but nobody does anything about it. By the same token, a lot of people talk about early Christmas shopping. But how many do anything about it? Well, we can name two, Fibber McGee and Molly.
1: McGee, do you remember the bow you made about this time last year?
2: Huh? Oh, you mean about putting the lawnmower away for the winter to keep it from getting snowed on? Well, don't think I forgot it, kiddo. I remembered it yesterday, but when I went out to put it away, it was under three foot of snow, and I couldn't find it.
3: (laughs) But
1: next
2: year, I'm going to put a red flag on the handle, so no matter how deep the snow gets on No, no,
1: no, that's not what I meant. What I meant... Oh, you mean about
2: leaving my dead cigar butts on our night table at night? The reason for that is that when a night-flying mosquito smells a cigar butt, he always... No! Huh?
1: The vow to which I have reference was where you said last year we will do our Christmas shopping early next year, which is this year. And use warrant on a stack of bills from the Bon Ton. Remember?
2: Certainly I remember, and I ain't forgot to either. Within the next week or ten days, I'll start making out a shopping list that'll have. A week
1: or ten days? Sweetheart, do you realize that there are exactly 15 shopping days left till Christmas?
2: That's what I say. No hurry.
1: (laughs) Well, I've already made out a list. What to get for whom and for how much. Uh, We're not going to be wrapping presents at the last minute this year.
2: Fine, that's for me, kiddo. And just to show you that I ain't completely stupid about this thing, let's not wrap them at all. Let's let the store wrap
1: them. Well, heavenly days, that's a very good
3: idea. (laughs) Remember
2: the hours I spent last year trying to wrap up that rocking horse for the little girl across the street? (laughs) You'll admit a department store is much better equipped for that sort of stuff.
1: You're so right, theory. You have a no gift for that sort of thing, and they have a thing for that sort of gift.
2: Yeah, well, you go put your face on, and we'll rush down to the bonton and get our gifts and have
1: it. Come in. Oh, hi, old-timer. Hello, Mr. Old-timer. Hello there, kids. What's doing? <laughs>
2: we were just going to beat it down to the Bon time and do our Christmas shopping, old-timer. We always do it early, starting this year, to avoid the last-minute
1: rush like last year. Yes, it's what you might call a new tradition with us.
4: Uh, I love Christmas, kids The jingle of sleigh bells The smell of the Christmas tree The crisp winter air And everybody full of Christmas spirit Especially Papa, who was so full of it He always put his beard on backwards And I was 14 years old Before I knew Santa Claus had a nose
1: Did you always have a tree When you were a boy, Mr. Oldtimer?
4: Nope, just at Christmas, daughter
3: (laughs) see
4: it now on Christmas night, sitting there in the living room with the top branches burnt off, candles and water and wet pine needles all over the floor, and Papa call Mr. Edison to hurry up and invent electric lights for it.
3: <laughs> well,
2: I'm going back to candles myself this year. I always wind up with more dead bulbs than a tulip bed in January.
3: <laughs> At least
2: in your day, you didn't have to go buy a tree anyhow.
4: Oh, nope. Getting a tree was easy, Johnny. All we had to do was get up at 3 a.m., walk through a blizzard seven miles to a patch of woods and chop one down.
3: Yeah.
4: Then we'd drag it home through barbed wire fences, dodging the fellow that owned the woods, on account of a 12-foot tree is kind of hard to hide under a (laughs) Mackinac. Set it up and spend the next four days stringing popcorn with needles and getting our fingers stuck so full of holes we could play a flute solo without a flute. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Christmas! So on, (laughs) kids!
5: King's men sing. Only 15 shopping days till Christmas, still have lots of time. I've decided to skip this year, I won't spend the time. Only 14 shopping days till Christmas, gee, that's not so long. I'm just sending out cards this year, then I can't go wrong. To buy one little present for Aunt Sarah That can wait a while Lots of time to choose, what have I got to lose? Still got twelve more shopping days Till Christmas, gee, but it's a bore Let's see, twelve days, that's not bad Take your time, take your time, what's the rush about? Stop that hurry and stop that worry and hurry and worry is up. All you gotta do is make out a list, decide upon the price to pay. All the dither and the bother and the lather and the bother will be done before Christmas Day. Trust me, I'll be ready then. Don't tell me that's old Santa Claus coming again. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yikes! Only five more shopping days till Christmas, better go buy a tree. Must get Mama that new coat, she'll be mad at me. (coughs) Only three more shopping days till Christmas, lots of things to buy. Should have started it weeks ago, all the time this morning. Forgot to get that streamlined train for Junior Where's my shopping list? Molly and Tony and Michael and Fred A dolly, a pony, a a sled Hear me call in Santa Claus, I need your help Because there's only one little shopping day till Christmas Now it's almost here That old fear gets in your hide Comes a-stealing up here inside Now I'm sorry that Chris
2: you never seen it so quiet in the Bon town just before Christmas. Well,
1: here. we've never been in here this far ahead of Christmas before, McGee. Huh? Aren't you glad we decided to do our shopping early this year and let the store wrap all the gifts for us? Yeah, but I kind
2: of miss that last-minute crowd of hysterical shoppers, though. More Toops and I had so much fun with them last year.
1: Fun with the crowds in here? How?
2: Oh, we had a game. We'd worm our way into a thick bunch of people and then stick out our elbows and raise our feet and see how far the crowd would carry us. <laughs> I'm the champion.
3: <laughs>
2: I got carried from sporting goods on the main floor to girdles on the third and never dropped my feet.
6: Poor <laughs> Mort was... Pardon me. May I help
1: you in any way? I'm Miss Travis. I'm a shopper. Well, for goodness sakes, so are we. It's a small <laughs> world, isn't <laughs> it?
2: <laughs> meeting a shopper in the Bon Town is like meeting a sailor in the Brooklyn Navy Yard. <laughs> what
1: I mean is I'm a shopper for the store. Huh. I help people select gifts and things and make suggestions. Well, I
2: got a suggestion... McGee! Okay. Well, my gosh... <laughs> We're perfectly capable of doing our own shopping, aren't we?
1: Personally, dearie, I think it's very nice of Miss Travis to offer to help us. You know, I never have been able to think of a gift for Mrs. Toops.
2: Well, try it on the shopper here. Look, sis, if you were fair, fat, and 40 and had five kids, what would you expect for
1: Christmas? The screaming Mimi's followed by three weeks of scraping candy out of the carpet. But <laughs> <laughs> well, let's put it this way. Uh, what would you want? A month in Bermuda with Gregory Peck.
3: <laughs>
1: oh, come on. Well, <laughs> I was thinking it maybe a nice handkerchief, Miss Travis. Have you any suggestions along that line? Oh, yes, indeed. We have some lovely Swiss imports. Just step over here with me. Want me to come along and help you, kiddo? Uh, no, thank you, dearie. The only Swiss imports you know anything about is full of holes and you make sandwiches with it. <laughs> You browse around. I'll be right back. Okay, Snooky. I'll look for something for Wilcox.
2: I wonder what Junior would like. <laughs> me, sir, have you been waited on? Huh? Oh, hi, bud. Yeah, look, uh, I need a small gift for a man who's a kind of a dude, a radio announcer, man about town, golfer, polo player, sophisticated type.
7: Ah, that's the kind of man we really have things for. Yeah. How about initial poker chips, $85 a set? Or maybe a silk bathrobe, 100 and a quarter? Or possibly a set of matched golf clubs, 137
2: dollars <laughs> You got any good pipes for around a buck and a quarter? <laughs>
7: Try the plumbing department, north basement. Yes, sir. Have you been waited on, sir? We have some beautiful Five
2: bucks yeah. for poker chips. Huh. That's like buying a ninety dollar pistol to shoot yourself with.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, hi, Molly. You got back quick. I've learned by experience not to let you out of my sight for long on a shopping trip, sweetheart. Yeah? What did you buy that we couldn't afford?
2: Oh, nothing yet. I'm just snooping around, trying to find something for Wilcox. Carla
1: Wilcox?
0: Somebody mentioned my name? Oh, hi, Junior. Hello,
1: Mr. Wilcox. Yes, I was just saying I thought I'd seen you come in the store.
0: Incidentally, Junior, you still play polo? No, gave it up years ago.
1: Why?
0: My horse got the heaves. Oh? He kept heaving me on my head.
2: Now, <laughs> well, give me that Christmas list, Molly. I want to scratch that horse off it.
3: <laughs> oh, now,
0: look, fellas, gee whiz, you mustn't go to Hey, trouble. Junior. Yeah? What's in the package? This Oh, gift for my wife. Huh? It's the hand-tooled leather box to keep her love letters in.
1: Her love letters from you, I presume? Sure,
0: sure. Here's one I brought along just for size.
1: No kidding. Hey, let me read
2: it, Junior. I'll bet you a real poetic.
1: McGee! Huh? <laughs> for goodness sakes, why should you read other people's love letters? Have you no sense of personal privacy?
2: What's privacy got to do with love?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ever see a park bench with a wall around it? Yeah. <laughs> Where'd Carved their initials <laughs> On the biggest tree they can find Yeah, but why do they put diamonds in engagement rings? So they won't be seen? Yeah, but what that... Got Come to do. on <laughs> Come on, Junior, let's see the love letter
1: You don't really have to, Mr. Wilcox Himself here is nosier than a swordfish <laughs>
0: Oh, I don't mind Listen to this uh, June 3rd, 1935 Dear Spaniel Eyes Spaniel
1: eyes.
0: How'd you two spend your honeymoon? Chasing cats?
1: Now, you be quiet, McGee.
0: Dear Spaniel eyes, I sold 32 orders of Johnson's Paste Wax today. That's a love letter? As I have so often told you as we sat there in the moonlight... On the loading platform of the Johnson warehouse.
3: <laughs> and you held
0: my hand oh, the God. very hand that today took thirty-two orders for Johnson's paste wax. Now I
2: know why Juliet got her heart broken. <laughs> she found out Romeo was a fuller <laughs> man. Now you hush, Jerry,
1: maybe he hasn't reached the sentimental part. I hope not. <laughs> <Go> on, <laughs> Go ahead. Okay.
0: I often dream of the time when I sell enough wax so we can afford to get married.
3: I dream of... I
0: dream of you and me in our own little cottage. Me in my smoking jacket and slippers. You're going to catch cold sitting around like that, (laughs) Me and my smoking jacket, slacks and
1: slippers. Well, now I can open my eyes.
0: And you, dear, in your pink house dress, adding a rich, warm, mellow luster to our furniture with Johnson's Paste Wax. The best of all possible ways to protect and beautify wood floors, furniture, and woodwork. Good. I'm glad my little wifey uses Johnson's Paste Wax because it's so long-wearing. And because someday we may have a little... Well, the rest is personal.
1: Hey, Waxy. Yes, pal? I do hope we aren't delaying you, Mr. Wilcox. Oh, no,
0: no, not at all. In fact, I'm just in time to meet my cousin, Big Brassy Wilcox, at the doctor's. Not Big Brassy Wilcox, the golf pro.
1: Is he your cousin? And what happened to him?
0: Well, he tried to show his wife how he could drive a golf ball off her forehead. Yeah? Broke her nose and the front window, and she got up and said, you need a stooge like you need a hole in the head, and she picked up a number three iron and gave him a hole in the head. <laughs> See you later, friend. What are you listening for, McGee?
1: McGee.
2: I was listening for a door slam. I forgot we were here in the Bonton. Well? It's so quiet in here this year. Well, who's next on the list, kiddo?
1: Uh, Dr. Gamble. Oh. We decided we could spend up to $5 for, for his gift. Oh. How about a nice shirt for
2: him? For Doc? Are you kidding? You can't waste a five-buck shirt on a guy that always looks like he'd got dressed in an upper berth with one arm and a sling. <laughs> My gosh, if you... Oh, here comes Wallace Wimple. Hiya, Wimp. Hey, Molly, here's
1: Wally. Well, for goodness sake, hello there, Mr. Wimple. Hello, folks.
2: (laughs) You doing some Christmas shopping, Wimp? We got smart this year ourselves.
8: No, I'm just looking for a going-away present for a friend of mine, Mr. McGee. Oh. He's flying down to Miami for the winter season.
1: Flying to Florida, isn't that wonderful? I didn't know
2: you had friends like that, Wimp. What is he, a millionaire? Mm.
8: He's a sparrow.
2: Well, if he's an
1: English sparrow, you might pick him up a monocle. (laughs) Uh, Say, how are you getting along with your bird watching these days, Mr. Wimple? Are there many birds around now?
8: Oh, I keep busy, Mrs. McGee. I had a pet hummingbird this fall that I enjoyed a lot. Do tell. I used to feed him every day with a little glass feeding tube.
1: Really? Well, what did you feed him,
8: honey? Honey? Sugar and water, dear. Oh, oh. (laughs) excuse me, I mean sugar and water, Mrs. McGee. That's
3: better.
8: (laughs) One day, though, I put a few little teensy drops of apple cider in his water just for fun. Oh, it was terrible. (laughs) Made
3: him
9: sick, did it?
8: No, he just took a big drink of it did two outside loops and a wing over, whistled at a lady woodpecker on a telegraph pole, and the last I saw of him, he was chasing a constellation toward Chicago. Oh, but I really must be going now. Sweetie Face says the folks across the street are expecting the stork. Oh, wonderful. Yes. I haven't seen a stork in years. Goodbye, <laughs>
2: little guy, Wimple. Too bad such a (laughs) fine-grained fellow is so hand but maybe that's why. (laughs) <laughs> Who'd you say was next on her list, Molly?
1: And Dr. Gamble, but we can't do anything about it now because here he comes.
2: Yes. Uh-oh. Pretend you don't see him. Hey, clerk, about that 12-gauge shotgun. It's for a friend of mine, that fine shotgun, yeah. Price is no object, see? He's a doctor and he's used to fine things, see? So the best is none too good for him. So if you say this is really a fine shotgun, I... Oh, hi, doc.
1: <laughs>
2: I didn't see you coming. Hello, McGee. Hello, my dear.
1: Hello, doctor.
2: Sorry if I interrupted anything, my boy. But your doctor friend has a good shotgun, and besides, you can't buy a shotgun for $3, which is all you ever spend upon me, bless your fat little heart, and besides, this is the hosiery department. Well, I was just kidding anyhow, bedside boy. What are you doing out during office hours? You got an office full of patients with baffling diseases? Not that you could diagnose anything more serious than a large cinder and a small eye.
1: (laughs) Now, you know better than that, McGee. Didn't you read where Dr. Gamble has just been elected president of the state medical association? Well, my
2: gosh, that was inevitable.
1: The best man for it, huh?
2: No, he counted the ballots. Oh, (laughs) Look, may I make a suggestion?
1: Certainly, Doctor. If
2: yeah, it's about my bill, Needle Plunger, I'll pay it when I get darn good and ready and Your not... bill is paid up. It is? Yes, thanks to a wife who manages to keep you honest. Thank
1: you, Doctor. All right.
2: <laughs> well, I was going to suggest that if you'd planned on buying me some small Christmas gift, don't do it. Yeah? I'd rather you send an equivalent donation to the Damon Runyon Cancer Fund. Friday's Damon Runyon Day, you know.
1: Oh, that's a wonderful idea, Doctor. Uh, where do we send it? We
2: well, send it care of Walter Winchell, New York City. It'll get there all right. How about it, lumberbrain? <laughs> that's a swell idea, Doc. I'll even send it in your name. Well, in that case, let Molly sign it so they can read it.
1: <laughs> now,
2: if you don't mind, Fatso, we'll proceed with our Christmas shopping. We're
1: shopping early this year and letting the store do all our wrapping, Doctor. Good idea, don't you think?
2: Whose idea was that?
1: Mine. Well, I guess it was McGee's at that No, I think it was Molly's. No, dearie, I'm sure you... Don't you remember, kiddo, I was standing there in the living room and
2: you were in the doorway? No,
1: no, I was in the living room and you were in the doorway. Well, anyway,
2: you said let's do our Christmas shopping early. So you see, Doc... Oh, he's
3: gone.
1: Doesn't care for debates, I guess. (laughs) Well, uh, let's see your list, dearie. Oh, yes, Billy Mills. Now, let me see. Do you suppose he'd like a harmonica? Could
3: be. Mark is and for you.
1: Help, uh, want me to help you with the bundle? No, no, I got them okay. Boy, I haven't
2: carried in such a load since I brought Uncle Dennis home last New Year's Eve. <laughs> You've got all our
3: packages
1: there now. Watch the front steps. I'm okay. My
2: gosh, you think I'm so bumble-footed I am so bumblefooted i can not carry a few packages up the steps without... A... Whoop! Oh,
3: That's that,
1: that, 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 that. I'll
2: help you pick them up. Oh, it! when did that step get loose like that? In
1: 1932. Huh. You stomped it loose when I told you the grocer had raised the price of butter to 23 cents. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh, why don't I fix it, then? How can a guy go... Put the will... packages on the hall table. There. Hmm. <sighs> oh, just look at them, dearie. Aren't they wrapped pretty?
2: Well, those guys take a six-bit necktie and wrap it so it looks like five bucks. <laughs> Which is just about what a six-bit necktie costs these days. <laughs>
1: To have our presents all bought and wrapped yeah. this far ahead of Christmas and wrapped so beautifully, too.
2: Yeah, I'll say. Why didn't we do this last year? I'll never.
1: Somebody must have followed us home. <laughs> come in. Oh, it's Mary
2: Latrivia. Do come in, Mr. Mayor. Oh, hi, Latrev. Hello, Mrs. McGee. McGee. Oh, are you going out? No, just come in, Latrev. Hey, you got your Christmas
1: shopping done yet, like we just done?
10: No, no, I haven't. I've been looking at things. For Miss
11: Tremaine, but so
1: far yeah, I haven't yeah. found... It. How are you and Miss Tremaine getting along anyhow, Mr. Mayor? Did you patch up that little quarrel last week?
10: Oh, yes, yes, I fixed it up. Yeah. <laughs> I waited a couple of days for her to phone me, but she didn't, so I finally just took the bull by the horns and went over to see her.
1: I suppose you wore your cowboy suit, of course. <laughs>
12: my, uh, my cowboy
2: suit? Yeah, when you grabbed that bull by the horns. <laughs>
1: Boy, oh, you must have made quite an
2: entrance at Fifi's house. No, I
3: should
1: say.
2: Yeah, I bet when she opened the door and saw you wrestling a bull on the porch. <laughs> I bet she liked to to bust a hamstring when she saw No, <laughs> no, I, I don't think you understand what uh, I'm did saying. Did
1: you used to I... be a cowboy before you were a mayor,
2: Mr. Mayor? Well, he must have been. Any guy that can sneak up on a bull, grab it by the horns, and take it to see his girl. Yeah, he must be a regular South American
1: groucho. <laughs> I did not
7: sneak up on anything. Look, I merely said. Maybe
1: he didn't have to sneak up on (laughs) it, McGee. Probably it was a pet. Lots of people have pet bulls. Even so.
2: Even so, they're tricky. (laughs) I mind one time I grabbed a bull by the tail at Uncle Sycamore's Ranch and hung on for ten minutes. It was a dead bull, of course, or I couldn't
12: have never done it.
2: (laughs) Hey, was that a dead bull you
5: took to Phoebe's Hostel Trivia? Of course not. Well. Why
12: would I call on Miss Tremaine with a dead bull?
1: A thought. <laughs> See, how long have you had this pet bull, Mr. Mayor? Did you raise him yourself from a heifer?
12: I don't have a pet bull. I said nothing about taking a bull to Miss Tremaine's house. I did not take a bull anyplace. Is that
5: clear?
2: It is to me, boy. When you grab a bull by the horns, you don't take him anyplace. He takes you. Sir, sure, you're just lucky he went past
5: Pee-pee's house because he... He didn't go past I mean, he took me. I
1: took the horn. Boom. Now, now, Mr. Mayor, let's not lose our tempers, please. Santa <laughs> Claus is listening these days, you know.
2: You don't have to holler at us just because you're a little mixed up. <laughs> All
7: right, now look. Yeah? When I said I took the bull by the horns, I was merely using an old, familiar approach to the subject.
1: And I'll bet the approach is important, too. You betcha. If you approach the subject from the left, that gives you a right-hand grab for his horns. And once you got the bull by the horns...
2: about bulls. I wonder if you know anything about bullfighting. Ask me anything, boy. All right. What do they call the matador's assistant? Mean the guy that throws the darts at the bull? He's the picador.
1: The, the what? Picador, Mr. Mayor.
2: Very well. I'll pick this one here. i always trying to mix me up. <laughs>
3: Look,
1: uh, let's put away these Christmas presents, sweetheart. Okay, boy, it's great to have this job done. Yes, let's tag them now and put them in the closet till Christmas Day. I'll start writing out tags.
2: Well...
1: Hand me Harlow Wilcox's gift first. I've got a card right here. Okay,
2: there. let me see. Harlow Wilcox. This must be Junior's necktie right here. No, I think that's Doc socks. Well, Doc's socks are pretty loud and this is kind of a quiet package. Maybe this is the billfold. We bought more tooth. Let's see. Harlow Wilcox. Harlow Wilcox. You, uh...
1: Hey. You didn't ask the store to mark what was in each package?
4: Should I have?
2: Yes. Oh, I see what you mean. Well, hand me the paper knife and stand back. Boy, I love to open Christmas packages.
0: your living room floor are, you might say, partners in beauty because no matter how expensive a rug is, it can only really look its best when the wood floor bordering it has a clear polished luster, the kind of luster your floors have when you use Johnson's Paste Wax. Johnson's Paste Wax, you know, also makes it easy to keep your floors glossy. That tough coat of wax protects your floors. That's one reason. And another is it's so simple to clean a waxed surface. Save yourself work and save your floors with Johnson's Paste Wax. And after you've applied it, notice how the glistening finish of those polished floors sets off the beauty of any rug in your house. Johnson's Paste Wax. Now, if you'd like to give your best friend a practical gift this Christmas, present her with the new Johnson Beauty Floor Electric Floor Polisher. She'll remember you as the person who made it possible for her to have a brilliantly polished floor in a few seconds. See your Johnson dealer about the new Beauty Floor Electric Polisher.
1: There. All wrapped up again, and what a job. Ooh, yeah,
2: my fault, too, kiddo. I should have had the clerk mark what was in them in the first place.
1: Well, they're properly wrapped and tagged this time, anyhow. Well,
2: I suppose you looked them all over to make sure they took the price tags
3: off of them.
1: Should I, up? <laughs>
3: yeah.
11: This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. WMAQ and WMAQ FM, NBC in Chicago.
9: December seventh, nineteen forty-eight. February, Mickey Maui, and it's Saturday night, January fifth, year two thousand nineteen. Hope you all doing well, and it's nine thirty-five here on the West Coast. So, Patricia will be with us tomorrow, and so Michael Beale. So, let's see here. Let's get down to another show. Hmm. Okay, I guess we'll have to do this.
13: Full speech. L. Caps lock off L Open file location i pin the start E blank Escape leaving menus folder view list view JAWS 2019 Windows M folder view C Christmas 2013 full enter C Lux Radio Theater 38 Dash Lux Lux Lux, Lux 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 Radio Theater 43 Dash Lux 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 Radio Theater 47 3 One Zero Left Parent 562 Right Parent It's A Wonderful Life MP Space Speech On Demand
10: Lux Presents Hollywood <laughs> Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, bring you the Lux Radio Theater, starring James Stewart, Donna Reed, and Victor Moore in It's a Wonderful Life. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Greetings from Hollywood,
14: ladies and gentlemen, tonight we bring you one of the season's most inspiring hits a Liberty Films production that's been nominated for the highest screen award. Yes, It's a Wonderful Life. And we present it now with its original fine stars, Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. Jimmy in the role which won him a nomination for the best performance of the year. Also in our cast is starred that fine comedian, Victor Moore. It's a Wonderful Life is the drama of a typical American. Might be you, it might be me. He dreams of glory, he lives in hope, he loves and doubts, uh, and only providence puts a final value on his service to humanity. Our story starts before the war, when life was normal, shortages were generally unknown, and simple luxuries like lux soap were abundant. I won't say that's the only reason people said it's a wonderful life, but I do know from the thousands of letters in our files that most of them said it's a wonderful soap. And they keep right on saying it day after day. In fact, the popularity of Lux Soap is what makes it possible to present such entertainment as Frank Capra's great production, It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart as George, Donna Reed as Mary Hatch, and Victor Moore as Clarence. This is the story of George Bailey, citizen of Bedford Falls, New York. George Bailey, who more than anything under the sun wanted to see the world. The wonderful, exciting world that lay somewhere beyond the limits of his hometown. Oddly enough, this story does not begin in Bedford Falls. In fact, it doesn't begin anywhere in the world. It begins in heaven where the superintendent of angels has just summoned an apprentice angel named Clarence.
15: Oh, I'm really going down to Earth, sir?
11: Oh, how splendid. Yes, there's a very discouraged man down there, Clarence, George Bailey. At exactly 10.45 p.m., Earth time, he'll be thinking seriously of ending his life. Oh, dear, dear, his life. Now, I want you to stop him if you can. Now, sit down, sit down. I'll give you Bailey's case history. Uh,
15: sir, if, uh, if I should accomplish my mission, may I perhaps get my wings? I've been waiting over 200 years now, and, well, people are beginning to talk.
11: Clarence, uh, what's that book?
15: The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, sir. I was reading it when you sent for me. Oh, fine book.
11: Excellent. Well, you do a good job on George Bailey, and we'll see about your wing. Oh, thank you, sir. Now, listen. When George Bailey was a boy, two events occurred that you should keep in mind. One was when his young brother, Harry, fell through the ice and almost drowned. George saved him.
15: Brother fell through the ice.
11: George saved him. Ever since, George had a bad ear. All that icy water, uh, you understand. Yeah, bad ear, yes, sir. The other event came a few months later. George used to work after school in Mr. Gower's drugstore. One day, Mr. Gower's only son died of influenza. It was a terrible blow, and poor Mr. Gower tried to lose his grief in whiskey.
3: Christian? Don't hurt my Sawyer again, Mr. Christian. Gower. Oh, George! That's what George. I deliver, Mr. Gower. All I wanted was to make George. You...
11: George. Well, Clarence, that was George Bailey as a boy. When he grew up, he wanted to go to college, but there just wasn't the money. So he worked four years in the Building and Loan Association. Building and Loan Association. Oh, I forgot to tell you. George's father was in the building and loan business. He and George's uncle, Billy. High ideals and low bank account. Anyway, George worked for his father and saved enough to see him through the university. That summer, though, he was going to Europe. Got a job on a cattle boat. Do a little traveling before a Boy, oh boy, oh boy, it's hard to realize
12: it. My last night in the Bailey boarding house.
7: We're sure going to miss you, George. Oh, I'm going to miss you too,
12: Pop. Hey, what's the matter? You look tired. Oh, I had another tussle with old Henry Potter today. Well, I thought when you put him on the board of directors, he'd ease up. Oh, so did I. I just can't understand a man like Mr. Potter. He can't begin to spend all the money I he guess has. Potter
7: owns about everything he wants in Bedford Falls except our uh, building and loan. That's why he hates us.
12: Hey, George, can I borrow your tuxedo studs? Yeah, help yourself, Harry. Well, where are they in your suitcase? Uh, I'm not taking a tuxedo on a cattle boat you know? hey, say where'd you get that suitcase anyway oh, mr gower going away present and one of these days you're gonna see that bag all covered with travel labels italy and baghdad Samarkand. You could have a pretty full summer eh? i'm gonna have a pretty full life hey why don't you come to the dance tonight why i'd be bored to death. well
15: you couldn't want a better death lots of pretty girls hey i gotta hurry
12: i wish we could send harry to college with you George. oh no, we've got that all figured out now pop He'll take over my job at the building and loan and work four years like I did, and then he'll go. Well, he's
7: pretty young for that job.
12: Well, no younger than I was.
7: Maybe you were born older, George. Huh? George, when you get out of college, I don't suppose you'd come back to the building and loan. Oh, no, no
12: Pop, I I, I... I just couldn't. I, I couldn't face being cooped up the rest of my life in a shabby little office. I... I oh, I'm sorry, Pop. Now, I... I didn't mean that, but it's just this business of nickels and dimes. I'd go crazy. I I want to do something big, something important.
7: In a small way, we are doing something important, George. In that shabby little office, we help people figure out how they can own their
12: own homes. I know. I know, Pop. I I just wish I felt that I... I, But I I just feel like if I didn't get away, I'd bust.
7: (laughs) You're right, boy. You get yourself an education, then get out of here.
12: Oh, Pop, you... Pop, you want a shock? I think you're a pretty great guy.
7: Well, thanks, George. I'm glad to hear it. Look, um, why don't you go on over to Harry's dance? You'd have a good time.
15: Well, I don't know. Maybe it will drop in.
12: Yeah, maybe it will at that.
15: So, George Bailey went to a dance. Is that important, Joseph? Why,
11: it was at the dance he met Mary Hatch. Oh. And three hours later, he was walking her home. George and Mary were feeling pretty good, Clarence. As a matter of fact, wonderful. Buffalo Girl, can't
3: you
6: come out tonight? Can't you come out
12: tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Buffalo Girl, can't you come out tonight? And
6: dance by the light. Oh, the moon. Hot dog, oh boy, just like an organ. At she, least.
12: Boy. Hey, you know, you know something? If it wasn't me talking, I'd say you were the prettiest girl in town.
6: Well, why don't you say it? I don't know. Maybe I will. Hey, how
12: old are you, anyway?
6: Eighteen. Eighteen? Too young or too old? No, no, no. It's just right. It sort of fits
12: you. Hey, hey, look where we are.
6: Hmm? Oh, the old Granville house. Yeah,
12: I got to throw a rock.
6: Oh, no, Donna. I-, I love that old house. Well, no.
12: Don't you know about deserted houses? You, you make a wish and then throw a rock.
6: George, but it was such a lovely old place. I wish I lived there.
12: In there? I wouldn't live in it as a ghost. Now, oh, watch. Watch this. Here we go. How about it? Huh? Pretty good shot, huh? Broke a window, huh? <laughs> What'd you wish, George? Oh, I don't know. Not just one wish. a whole hat full. Mary, I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet, and I'm going to see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the colosseum and then I'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know, and then I'm going to build things. I'm going to build airfields and skyscrapers 100 stories high and bridges a mile long, and then I'm going gonna... to... Hey. Hey, Mary. What is it you want? What do you want, huh? You want the moon? All you got to do, is just say the word now. Okay.
6: The moon. I'll take it. Then what?
12: Then what? Well, well, then you could swallow it, and and it'd dissolve like an aspirin, you know. And the moonbeams that shoot out of your fingers and the ends of your hair, and the the uh, you you think I'm talking too much?
15: Yes, why don't you kiss her instead of talking her to death? How's that? Uh,
12: youth is wasted on the wrong people. Why? Hey, just a minute, mister. Hey, you come back here. I'll show you some kissing if you want it. George! Hey, Uncle Billy, look here. I'm going to kiss Mary. Watch. George, get in the car quick. Your father's had a stroke. What? What? George, get in. Hurry.
11: Well, George's father died that night, Clarence. So, of course, George couldn't go to Europe. But that fall, just as he was ready to leave for college, the directors of the building alone had a meeting... They're going to appoint a successor, to Mr. Yes, yes,
12: yes. What was that you said, Mr. Potter?
11: I said as long as Peter Bailey's dead, let's dissolve the building and loan. We don't need it. Now wait a minute. Oh, you wait a minute. Peter Bailey was not a businessman. Ideals without common sense can ruin a town. What do we get? A discontented, lazy rabble instead of a thrifty working class.
12: Oh, oh, hold on, Mr. Potter. Hold on, oh, I just
11: meant a no disrespect, George, but
12: oh, wait a minute, sir. Why my father ever started this cheap penny ante building and loan, I'll never know. But just remember this, Mr. Potter, this rabble you're talking about. They do most of the working and the paying and living and dying in this community. Well, is it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? Anyway, my father didn't think so. People were human beings to him. But to you, a warped, frustrated old man, they're cattle. Well... In my book, Mr. Potter, he died a much richer man than you'll ever be.
11: I'm not interested in your book, George. I'm talking about the building and lawn. You're talking about something you can't get your fingers
12: on that's galling. That's what you're talking about. Well, this town needs this measly one-horse institution if only to have some place where people can borrow a few dollars without crawling to you. Now, come on, Uncle Billy. What happened, George? Yeah, all we heard was a lot of yelling. Boy, oh, boy, you should have heard, George. Yeah, they're in there voting us out of business.
6: Oh, who cares? I can get another job. I'm only 41.
12: 45. Well, you get out of here,
15: George. You missed your boat trip. Do you want to miss... College, too? George,
12: we've just voted Potter down. We're still in business.
5: Whoopee, we're still in business! We're still in business! But
12: there's one condition, George. They've appointed you to take your father's place. Appoint me? But I'm going to college. Look, this is my last chance. Uncle Billy's your man. Uh, George, you've got to take it. They'll vote with Potter otherwise. They said
6: so. They even...
15: I know. George Bailey didn't go to college.
11: That's right, Terrence. He gave his, his college money to Harry. Harry went instead. But what happened to that good-looking girl, you know, Mary? Old George saw her now and then. Not very often, though, because Mary went away to school, too. Anyway, George waited four years more for Harry to come back and take over the building and loan. He could still see the world. He planned to work in the oil fields, Venezuela. Except when Harry came home, he wasn't alone. There was a girl with him. His wife.
8: George?
12: Yeah, I'm out here on the porch, Mother. I just thought I'd get some air.
8: Well, how, how do you like your new
12: sister-in-law? Oh, she's swell.
8: Looks like she can keep Harry on his toes.
12: Yeah, yeah, and keep him out of Bedford Falls, anyway.
8: What do you mean?
12: Well, Ruth's father, she's... He's got a wonderful job for Harry up in Buffalo.
8: Buffalo? Well, that means you... Yeah. You can't... Yeah. George, uh... Did you know Mary Hatch is back from school? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Nice girl, Mary. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, stop grunting. Give me one good reason why you shouldn't call on Mary.
12: Well, Sam Wainwright. Sam's crazy about Mary.
8: Well, she's not crazy about him. Well,
12: now, how do you know that? Did she discuss it with you? you...
8: Besides, Sam's away in New York.
12: Oh, and all's fair in love and war. Uh Uh-huh, I see Okay, Mother. I think I'll go out and find that girl and do a little passionate necking. Oh,
3: George! <laughs> Goodbye,
12: Miss Bailey. By the way, do you want any books at the library?
3: Library, George. George, you go and see Mary. Do you hear?
6: George, is that you out there?
12: Oh, oh, hello, Mary.
6: Well, are you coming
12: in? I just happened to be passing by here. Oh, I
6: thought you were picketing. Have you made up your mind? How's that? Have you made up your mind? About what? About coming in. Your mother just phoned. She said you were coming over. My mother just phoned? What does she
12: mean, Carl? I just happened to be passing by, that's all. I didn't... Well... Well, uh, well, I'll come in for a minute But I, I didn't tell anybody I was coming here You, you felt like I can't go out for a walk nowadays without you, when'd you When did you get back? Tuesday uh, When would you get that dress?
6: Do you like it?
12: It's all right
6: well, no point standing here on the porch. Come on in. I, I still can't understand it. I didn't tell anybody
12: I was coming here, you yeah. know. Would you rather leave? Well, no, I don't want to be rude. I'll sit down for a while.
6: It's nice about your brother and Ruth, isn't it? Yeah,
12: yeah, yeah. That's all right.
6: Don't you like her? Well,
12: of course I like her. She's a peach.
6: Oh, just marriage in general you're not enthusiastic about, hmm? No, no.
12: Marriage is all right for a lot of people. It's all right for Harry Sam Wainwright And you For
6: Sam Mary, It's George Bailey, Mother What's he want? I don't know What do you want?
12: Me? (laughs) Uh, Not a thing Not a thing And I just came in to get warm
6: He's making violent love to me, Mother You just tell him to go right back home Sam said he'd call you tonight from New York, didn't he? I guess so How about some music? gee it's good to hear your voice how are you Sam
12: I forgot my hat
6: hee-haw what oh I I was just talking to an old friend of yours George Bailey old Mossback George old Mossback George well put him on I'll talk to him too (laughs) wait a second George he doesn't want to speak to George he does so he asked for him
12: why'd you call me because if you're I'm in a hurry I got Sam wants to talk to you oh oh hiya Sam
6: George.
12: Now, you listen to me, Mary. I don't want any plastics, and I don't want any job, and I don't want to get married ever to anyone. Do you understand that? I want to do what I want to do, and and you're not going to trick me. And you're. Mary.
3: Mary.
12: Oh, Mary, darling. I, I love you, Mary.
15: So George Bailey and Mary Hatch
11: were... Yes, George and Mary were married. Mm. And they started off on their honeymoon in Ernie Bishop's taxicab.
12: Hey, where are you two going on this here now honeymoon? We're going to shoot the works, Ernie. A whole week in New York, a whole week in Bermuda, the highest hotel, the oldest champagne, the hottest music, and the prettiest wave. (laughs) So you're finally getting out of Bedford Falls, huh? Then what? Then what, honey?
6: After that, who cares? That
12: does it. Hey, you know, Mrs. Bailey, I haven't kissed you. Hey, George, there's something funny going on over there. Look, look over there at the bank. It looks like a run. All right. Pull over a minute, will you, Ernie?
6: George, let's not stop. Please, let's go straight to the show.
12: No, wait a position. minute. Uh, i better see what it is. I'll be right back.
6: George, please.
14: George! In a few moments, we'll return with the second act of It's a Wonderful Life, starring James Stewart, Donna Reed, and Victor Moore. Meanwhile, here's our Hollywood reporter, Libby Collins Looking very smart to me, I say
16: Well, thank you, Mr. Keeley You know, after seeing Paulette Goddard's wardrobe For Paramount's new comedy, Suddenly It's Spring I just had to rush out and buy something new Looking at all those lovely clothes was just too much for my self-control
14: Well, you look stunning, Libby
16: Oh, thank you again, Mr. Keeley Now
14: tell me about the picture I understand that Paulette's portrayal of an ex whack is
16: truly delightful Oh, yes, it is And Fred McMurray gives a perfect characterization of her wayward husband. Between the two of them, suddenly it spring is a high-spirited comedy with emphasis on the romantic side. Well, naturally. (laughs) But really, Mr. Keeley, that wardrobe of Miss Goddard certainly will make close conscious girls sit up and take notice. I'll bet you think so, too, Mr. Kennedy.
10: Well, Libby, men seldom know much about styles. What I notice about a dress is the general effect when a woman wears it. Some girls always seem to have that right-on-the-beam look. You know what I mean.
16: (laughs) Well, I think what you have in mind, Mr. Kennedy, is good grooming. Screen stars certainly put great emphasis on it. A perfect hairdo, fresh, beautifully cared for skin. Those are essentials.
10: That must be the reason Lux Toilet Soap continues to be a studio standby, no matter how often other styles change.
16: Well, that's what Miss Goddard told me. She says her beauty facials are so quick and easy and work so well. She's never without a supply of Lux Toilet Soap. I can depend on it for daily complexion care, she said.
10: I wish you'd tell the ladies in our audience how easy these Lux soap facials are, Libby.
16: Well, here's what Paulette Goddard does. She says, I cover my face with a fragrant Lux soap lather and work it well in. I rinse with warm water, then cold, and use a soft towel to pat my skin dry. Gives skin quick new beauty, she says.
10: Daily Lux soap facials do make skin lovelier. Recent tests by skin specialists proved it. In, in three out of four cases, complexions became softer and smoother in, in just a short time.
16: A lovely luxe complexion makes a woman so attractive. I wish every girl who hasn't tried luxe toilet soap would begin using it tomorrow.
10: That sounds advice, Libby. When nine out of ten screen stars recommend a beauty soap, you know it has to be good. So why not try luxe toilet soap, Hollywood's own complexion soap? We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
14: Act two of It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart as George. Donna Reed as Mary and Victor Moore as Clarence. Well, we're back in heaven again, where the superintendent of angels is reviewing the case history of a mortal named George Bailey. Clarence, the apprentice angel, is very eager to depart on his mission to the earth.
15: Poor George Bailey. Oh, he's certainly in desperate trouble, Joseph. I'll go to him at once.
11: Now, you sit down, Clarence, sit down. We're nowhere near the point where George Bailey's thinking of taking his life. We're not? Now, uh, where were we? Oh, yes, yes. George and Mary had just started out on their honeymoon when they ran smack into the financial panic of 1932. In the waiting room with the building in loan, a hundred frantic people were clamoring for their safety. Hey, what's going on, Uncle Billy?
12: What's happened? All those people out there. This is a pickle, George.
15: All I know is the bank called our loan an hour ago. I had to hand over all our cash. Holy mackerel. The
12: whole town's gone crazy. Bank's in the same spot we are. Our charter. What about our charter? Our charter says we have to stay open until 6 p.m. The state can take away our license if we don't. How can we stay open till 6 without any money? George, where are you going? Out to talk of those people. Come on. We're Where's our money. Oh, come on, now, please. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, listen to me. Now, you're thinking of this place all wrong. Your money's not here. Well, I'm oh, oh, so wait a right. minute. Now, let me tell you. Let me tell you, your money's in people's houses in the Kennedy House and the McLaren House and in your house and a hundred others. Now, what are you going to do? Foreclose on them? I got $240 in shares. Now, let me have it. All right. All right, Charlie. Now, You'll get your money in 60 days. 60 days? Well, now, look, that's what you you agreed on when you bought your shares. I got my money! Old man Potter's (laughs) taking over the bank. He'll pay you 50 cents on every dollar. Then let's take our shares to Potter. Half is better than nothing. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Please, folks, I beg of you not to do this. If Potter gets hold of your shares, you'll be owning this building and loan. (laughs) He's got the bank, he's got the bus line, he's got the department stores, and now he's after us because he wants to keep you living in his shacks and paying the kind of rent he decides to charge. Now, we can get through this thing, all right, but we've got to stick together. We've got to have faith in each other. My husband's out of work. We need money. I've got doctor bills to pay.
6: I can't feed my kids on things. How much do you need? We've still got some money. Hey, Mary. Here it is, George. You told me to hold on to it. Would have made a nice honeymoon. You bought furniture, too. Hey, now, wait a minute, folks. Listen. I've
12: got $2,000. All right, Charlie, how much do you need? $240. 323 Sycamore. Well, whose home is that? What? Well, Mary, how can I... Well, well, sure, all right, sure, I'll be there.
11: Clarence, guess what 323 Sycamore was? His mother-in-law's house, huh? Oh, no. Number 323 Sycamore was the old Granville house, the one George threw rocks at and made wishes. Yes, sir, that's where they spent their honeymoon. That's where they started housekeeping. They were still living there two years later when old man Potter asked George to stop over at his office. Sit down, George. Sit down, do. Uh, have a cigar? Well, thank you, sir. Uh, George, you're a young man, married, making, say, $40 a week at the building and loan. 45 45 Now, if you were some ordinary yokel, I'd say you were doing fine. But George Bailey is intelligent, ambitious. He hates the building and loan almost as much as I do. He's been dying to get out of town ever since he was born, but he's trapped. Trapped into frittering his life away, playing nursemaid to a lot of garlic eaters. Do I paint a correct picture, George, or do I exaggerate? Well, what's your point, Mr. Potter? My point is that you're the only man in town who has licked me. George, I want to hire you. Manage my affairs. I'll start you off at $20,000 a year.
12: $20,000 a year? Hey, are you sure you're talking to me? I'm George Bailey. Don't you remember me? The building and loan, remember?
11: Yes, George Bailey, whose ship has just come in, providing he has sense enough to climb aboard. Well, but, but what about the building and loan? Gunfounded man, I'm offering you a three-year contract at $20,000 a year. Is it a deal or isn't it? No, no, the answer's no, gun it. If you offered
12: me a million dollars to stay around this town and play stooge to you, the answer'd still be no. Now, let me alone. Don't
6: bother. <laughs> George, what did Mr. Potter
12: want? Oh, it was nothing. He just talked, talked. I don't know. It was nothing. Oh, gee. Mary Hatch. Mary, why in the world did you ever marry a guy like me anyway?
6: <laughs> to keep from being an old maid.
12: I was going to see the world, I was going to build things, I was going to give you the moon. Mary, you mean you're on the nest?
11: Well, Mary had a baby, turns. A boy. You don't say. Then she had another one. A girl. Well, what do you know? Night after night, George had come home late from the office. Things weren't good with the building loan. Potter was really bearing down on him.
12: Hey, uh, Telly, get the books from Mister Carter. Will you? Uh, you know that's my brother's picture there, Mister Carter. He shot down fifteen planes, and one of them
15: was just about... Well, well, Mister Henry F. Potter, come to the bank to deposit some more loot, eh? Sure, you old fool. How do you like the news in the paper, Mister Potter? Just can't keep those Bailey boys down now, can you?
11: Oh, Let me see that newspaper.
15: Here. Sorry, I can't chat, you old thief. Got to make a deposit. Uh, here you are, Horace. Deposit
7: slip, bank book, and a very merry Christmas to you. You too, Mister Bailey.
12: Can't take anymore. I I can't. Where's that money? You silly old fool. You know what this means. It means bankruptcy and scandal and prison. One of us is going to jail. Well, it's not going to be me. Now get out of my way. I'm going home. George, dear, what's
6: wrong? You haven't said a word since you came home. Oh, well that banging
12: on that piano. Does she have to just keep playing that same piece over and over and over and over again? I have to practice.
6: Daddy? What is it, dear? Another hectic day.
12: Yeah. Yeah, another red letter day for the baby. Hey,
6: Murphy's got a brand new car. You should see it.
5: What's the
12: matter with our car? Isn't it good enough for you?
6: I'm sorry, Dad. I will Run upstairs, Petey. See if is all right. Okay,
12: Mom. Now, what do you mean? What do see if Zuzur's all right? What do you mean?
6: Oh, she caught a little cold coming home from school. She didn't button up her coat.
12: Well, what is it? What is? It? What do you mean, just a cold? George, the
6: doctor said it was nothing serious. The
12: doctor? Was the doctor here?
6: Well, I thought he'd better look at her. It's this
12: old drafty house. It's no wonder we don't all have pneumonia. We might as well be living in a refrigerator. Why do we have to live here in the first place and stay around this measly, crummy old town? George, what's happened? Everything's happened. You call this a happy family. Why do we have to have all these kids? Daddy,
6: how do you spell Frankenstein? I don't know
12: how you spell. You ask your mother. Where are you going? Upstairs to see Zuzu.
6: Hello? Oh, thank you, Mrs. Welch. I'm sure she'll be all right. Who's that? Uh, Zuzu's school teacher. What? Oh, yes, the doctor says she'll be fine tomorrow. Here,
12: give me that phone.
1: George,
6: please.
12: Mrs. Welsh! Well, this is Mr. Bailey. Say, what kind of a teacher are you, anyway? What do you mean, sending Zuzu home like that, half-naked? Do you realize you'll probably end up with pneumonia just because of your stupidity? You know, maybe my kids aren't the best-dressed kids in town, but at least... Hello? Hello? Janie, will you stop playing that lousy piano?
6: cut it out! Stop it! George, for heaven's sake, what's wrong with you?
12: I'm sorry. I'm... Janie, I'm sorry.
3: Mary,
12: I've just got to get out of here
11: so that's it george you're short eight thousand dollars in your account Sam. Oh,
12: please mr potter I'll, I'll pay any sort of a bonus if you
11: still want the building and
12: loan I... you say it was
11: lost have you notified the police no sir i haven't done that yet harry's home oh, why to come tomorrow. to me what about your good friend sam wainwright i can't get a hold of him he's in europe what kind of security would I have, George? What collateral?
12: Yes, sir, I have some life insurance here. $15,000 policy. Mm-hmm.
11: What's your equity in it?
12: $500.
11: And you want $8,000? You once called me a warped, frustrated old man. Well, what are you but a warped, frustrated young man crawling on your hands and knees for help? Why don't you go to the riffraff you love so well? Ask them for help. I'll do anything, Mr. Potter, please.
12: Please help me, Miss. Um, my wife and kids... I'm
11: calling the I'm... district attorney. Five hundred dollars. You know something, George? You're worth more dead than you are alive. Now get out of here. Get out. And all the time, Potter had the eight thousand dollars in his desk drawer. But it's still there, Clarence. But where's George, sir? Where? Well, he went over to Martini's cafe. He's had a couple of drinks, Clarence. He's just standing there, sort of in a daze. Oh God. Oh, God, dear Father in heaven, I
12: I'm, I'm not a praying man, but if if you're up there and, and you can hear me, please show me the way. I'm at the end of my rope. I show me the way, to God.
11: Mr Bailey, you all right? Don't drink any more, Mr Bailey, please. You don't feel a good. Bailey, Did you say Bailey? Which Bailey? This gentleman is Mr Bailey, George Bailey. George Bailey, huh? And the next time you talk to my wife like
7: right that, she'll get worse. It isn't enough. She's slaves teaching your stupid kids how to read and write. you got to ball you up. You get out of here, Mr. Welch.
4: You hit my best friend. Get out.
11: All right. Mr. Bailey, you, you OK? Who's that? Mr. Welch, but don't worry. He don't come in this place no more. I'll get something for your face. It's bleeding. I'm all right. Please don't go away, Let Mr. Bailey. Please
4: don't
11: me go me away. Well, George left Martini's cafe five minutes ago, Clarence. He's at the river now, on the bridge, looking at the water. Are you ready, Clarence?
15: All ready, sir.
11: Very well. Save George Bailey's life, and you'll get your wings. My wings. Oh, thank you,
15: Joseph. George!
14: Just a moment, we'll bring you act three of It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed, and Victor Moore. The popular theory about beautiful blondes is that they're content to be merely decorative. Our lovely guest tonight, Miss Susan Blanchard, completely disproves that idea. Besides being a hard-working fox
17: starlet, Susan, I understand you're a wonderful cook. I really love housekeeping, Mr. Keeley. But most of all, I enjoy the training I get at the studio. It's work but it's fun, too.
14: You're an Easterner, aren't you, Susan?
17: Yes, a native New Yorker. Mm, I thought so. It was the Broadway theater that inspired me to think of show business as a career. Well, that's interesting. I used to save my allowance and go to every play I could. One of my favorite actresses was Jane Wyatt. Uh Uh-huh. Imagine, Mr. Keeley, what a thrill it was for me to meet her right here in Hollywood.
14: Jane Wyatt's latest picture, Boomerang, was made in the East, I understand.
17: Mm Mm-hmm, Yes. But she and Dana Andrews, who stars in Boomerang with her, were in Hollywood to see a studio showing of the picture. Oh, I see. Jane Wyatt is my ideal of a stage and screen star. So talented and so lovely to look at. Just as lovely in real life, too. She is indeed. It wasn't long before I discovered that she's as keen about Lux toilet soap for beauty care as I am. You know, I'm a Lux girl, too.
10: We're glad to hear you say that, Miss Blanchard, because that's a very beautiful Lux complexion I see before me. Just right for blue eyes and ash blonde hair.
17: Thank you, Mr. Kennedy. Any girl in pictures is delighted to find out about Lux Toilet Soap as a beauty care. Active lather facials are so quick and easy, and they really make a difference in your skin.
10: Thousands of busy, attractive women have discovered that, Miss Blanchard. Daily Lux Soap complexion care does make skin lovelier. Otherwise, it wouldn't be the choice of nine out of ten screen stars.
17: Lux Toilet Soap is all around beauty care for me. I use it as a bath soap, too. It has such delightful perfume, leaves a lovely fragrance on the skin.
10: Thank you, Miss Susan Blanchard. I hope our audience will be seeing that lovely luxe complexion of yours in a screen close-up one of these days. Now, back to our producer, William Keeley. Act three
14: of It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed, and Victor Moore. George and Clarence are drying
7: off. You're both sure you're all right? You, you
15: want a doctor? No, I'm all, right. I'm all right. Oh, I'm fine. This underwear, I didn't have time to get anything more stylish. My wife gave me this on my last birthday. I passed away in a... you You what, mister? Mm, I see Tom Sawyer is drying out, too. Uh, who? My book.
12: Very your your lips bleeding. Yeah, yeah, I got a bust in the jaw in answer to a prayer. <laughs> oh no, George, I'm the answer to your prayer. Hey, how do you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. Well, who are you supposed to be anyway? Clarence Oddbody, A S two. Clarence Oddbody. Well, what's the What's the A S two for? Angel Second Class. <laughs> hey. I'm getting out of here. You may not need a doctor, but I do. Here are you are, my good man. Hey, look here. Why, why'd you want to save me? Because I'm your guardian angel, George. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. Well, you look like about the kind of an angel I'd get. But, <laughs> what, uh, what happened to your wings?
15: But, well, I haven't won my wings yet. That's why I'm an angel, second class. Oh, I see. But you can help me earn them, George, by... Letting me help you.
12: Oh, uh, don't happen to have 8,000 bucks on you, do you? Oh, no, no, we... We don't use money in heaven. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I keep forgetting. Oh, I see. Comes in pretty handy down here, bub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cat, cat, cat. Of course I found it out a little late. You know, I'm worth more dead than alive. You mustn't talk like that.
15: Joseph will never give me my wings if you keep feeling that way. You just don't realize what you've done for your folks. Well, if it hadn't been for you... Yes, if it hadn't
12: been th- for me, everybody would be better off. My wife and my kids and my friends. Oh, this is not going to be easy. i will all be better off if I hadn't been born. What did you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. George, that's
15: wonderful. It's wonderful? What? The idea you just gave me. Well, you've got your wish. You've never been born. I've never been born? Exactly. No worries, no $8,000 to get, nothing. You simply don't exist. All right, all right, okay, all right. George, I can do things, strange things. I can show you the world, George, the way it would be if you hadn't been born.
12: Hey, wait wait a minute, this ear of mine. Say something else in that bad ear.
15: You don't have a bad ear anymore. Oh, I don't think you're concentrating. Don't you see? You're not the George Bailey you think you are. You're well, uh... You're nobody.
12: Oh, that's the doggone thing I ever saw, that that ear. Your
15: lips stopped bleeding, too.
12: Yeah. Yeah, hey, hey, what's what's happening around here? What is this, anyway? I need a drink. That's what I need. What, what about you, Angel? You want a drink? Well, I, I don't quite know. Come on, I... come on. We'll go as soon as our clothes are dry. The clothes are dry, George. Hey, that's, so they are. That's funny. Well, look... Let's get dressed and we'll stroll over to Martinis and then. Uh, oh, excuse me. I mean, I'll stroll. You fly. Oh yes. yes. <laughs> uh, no, I don't have. You my don't wings. have your wings yet. No, that's I'm... right. I forgot that I can. A couple of drinks and we'll both fly, huh? Where's the boss? Where's Martini? Luckwise, guy, I'm the boss, see? Okay, well, double scotch, quick, will you? What's yours? You know what? I just love some mulled wine.
15: Huh? Heavy on the cinnamon and light on the cloves. Off with you, my lad, and lively now.
12: Now, cut it out. Oh, come on here. Just give him the same as I ordered. He's okay.
11: Uh, Two double scotch.
12: What about this place? It's all changed. <laughs> oh?
15: Bedford Falls has changed. You're having your wish, George. You've never been born. Oh, there'll be lots of things you've never seen before. Oh, good. Somebody just made it. Made what? Every time a bell rings, it means some
12: angel's got his wings. What'd you say? Uh... Look, uh, Clarence, I don't think you better talk about angels around here. Yeah. Don't
15: they believe in angels?
12: Oh, yeah, they believe in them, but you know, it's just a little. Well, then thing. why yeah. should people be surprised when they see one? Uh, don't mind him, bartender. He's just a little fellow. He just never grew up. And how old are you, anyway, Clarence? Well, next May, I'll be
15: 293.
11: <laughs> that does it. A couple of pixies, huh? Go on, get you. Hemi,
12: get. Hey, where's Martini? Will you Stop tell me? asking about Martini. He ain't here, and he. Hey, yo, Rummy, didn't I tell you never to come panhandling around here? George, look. Hey, it's Mr. Gower. Mr. Gower. Listen, Mr. Gower, don't you know me? This is George Bailey. You, you buy me a drink, mister? Just one drink, will you, mister? Pinky! Yeah, Nick? Throw the rummy out. Oh, no, no, please. Sir. Hey, bartender, that's that's Mr. Gower, the druggist. That rum head spent 20 years in jail for poisoning some kid. If you knew him, you must be a jailbird yourself. Pinky, here's two more. Get him out of here.
15: Get up, George. Good thing he threw us in a snowbank, huh? Where's where's Mr. Gower? Mr. Gower doesn't know you, George. You see, you weren't there to stop him from putting
12: poison into that prescription. What do you mean I wasn't there? Look... Come on, step on it, will you, Ernie? Get me home. I'm off my nut here.
11: Where do you live, buddy? Oh,
12: now, doggone it, Ernie. Don't you start pulling that stuff on me. 323 Sycamore. 323 Sycamore? Oh. Yeah, hurry up for the Zuzu the sick. Okay, buddy. Hey, look, Ernie, I, I don't know what's happening. I'm going crazy or So I've got some bad liquor. I, now look uh, tell me this now. You're Ernie Bishop, right? And you live with your wife and kid down here. I've seen my wife. What do you mean? I've seen your wife. I've been in your house a hundred times. What do we we built it for you, didn't but we? Bud, my wife took the kid and ran away five years ago, and I ain't never seen you before in my life, see? Okay, Ernie. Okay, okay. Just step on it. Get me home. Mary, Mary, where are you? Janie, Petey, Zuzu, Zuzu, where are you?
15: This is just an old abandoned house, George. Joseph, help! Joseph! Joseph! Where'd they go, Ernie? Where'd they go? I I, I don't know. They just disappeared.
11: Terrence.
15: Oh, Joseph, I hope you don't mind my calling on you like I did. It
11: was very irregular, Terrence. You're by yourself again. Where's George?
15: He's at his mother's house, sir.
11: Well, if George hasn't been born, he has no mother.
15: Oh, he's being very stubborn, sir. He'll just have to find these things out for himself. But
11: his mother, that's a terribly bitter blow to a man, his old mother not knowing him.
15: You mean I shouldn't have let him... I mean you
11: better find him right away. Oh, and stop fighting policemen, Clarence.
12: I'm here again, George. My mother, my own mother, didn't know me. If only Harry were here. My brother were only back from Washington. Your brother
15: fell through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine.
12: Well, that's a lie. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport.
15: Every man on that transport died. Strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. Harry wasn't there to save them Because you weren't there to save Harry Don't you see, George You really had A wonderful life Don't you see what a mistake it would be To throw it away Clarence Yes Where's Mary Please, where's my wife I, uh I'm not
12: supposed to tell Tell me where she is You're not going to like it, George Where is she? I'll choke it out of you If I have to, where's my wife the library she works there she's
15: just about to lock up for the night so i uh george george come back oh there must be some easier way for me to get my wings
12: mary mary
6: i'm sorry the library's closed mary
12: it's george don't you know me
6: No, I don't know you. Let me go,
12: please. Don't do this to me, Mary. Please help me. Help me. Where are our kids, Mary? I need you, Mary. Get away from me! Help! Help! Help Help me, Mary. I'm George.
17: Mary. Clarence.
11: Oh,
15: where is he, Joseph? Where's George? I'm afraid I've lost him, sir. You knew you shouldn't have
11: let him try to see Mary. Now they're after him. Mama. They think he was trying to hurt her. Joseph, I won't even get one wing, will I? You have one more chance, Clarence. Get over to the bridge by the river. I think George has seen just about enough. But the, but the mob. But don't worry, they've lost it, too. Now, hurry up. Oh, thank you, Joseph. Thank you. Clarence.
12: Clarence! Clarence, where are you? I'm here, George. Help me, Clarence. Get me back. I don't care what happens to me, only get me back to my wife and kids, please. I want to live again.
15: Oh, thank you, George.
12: Thank you, boy. I want to live again, please. Oh, God, please let me live again. George? Is that you down there, George? Now get out here, Bert. Get out here. You come in any closer? I I want I'll let you have it. What the hell are you
15: yelling for, George? Come on. George. George, Bert. Bert, do you know me? No, yeah. I've been looking all over town for you. Where you been? Hey, Bert, Bert, I'm alive again, Bert. You sure you're all right? Hey, your mouth's bleeding. It is.
12: Hey, my mouth's bleeding. Bert, look at look at the blood come out of there. What you? Oh. And where Zuzu's Christmas bell, Bert? I had it right in my pocket. Here it is. Hey, it's in my pocket. What do you know about? It? Hey, Merry Christmas, Bert.
15: Well, Merry Christmas. Get in the car. I'll drive you home. You will,
12: Bert. We'll do that. I turn the siren wide open, huh? Merry Christmas, Bedford Falls. Hey, Merry Christmas, old building alone. Merry Christmas, Mister Potter. Yippee! Come on. Hey, Bert. Come on. Come on in with me, huh? Well, what are the, these people, these reporters? Hey, oh, oh, Merry Christmas, reporters. Hey, Mr. Bank Examiner, Merry Mr. Christmas. Mr. Bailey, boy. there's a deficit. I know, $8,000, dollars i bet, huh?
15: George, I've, I've got a little paper
12: here. I'm oh, sorry. I, I bet it's a warrant for my arrest. Isn't that wonderful? Merry Christmas. Hey, where's Mary, you know? Uh, look at this wonderful old drafty house. Shouldn't it wonder? Have you seen my wife? Where's Mary?
17: Mary! Mary! Hey, kid, Mary.
12: Janie, Petey. Hey, oh, I could eat you up. Where's your mother?
6: She went looking for you, Daddy, without... Uncle Billy. Daddy.
12: Zuzu, my little ginger snap. How do you feel, huh?
6: Fine, Daddy. Not a snitch of temperature. Not a snitch of temperature? Hallelujah. George. George, darling. It's Mommy. Mommy's home.
12: Mary. George, where have you been? Mary. Oh, Oh, Mary. Now look. (laughs) Just let me touch you. What is it? We can't open my eyes yet, Mary. What's going on? Here?
6: Now, now keep your eyes closed. Now I'll just walk you over here by the Christmas tree and.
12: Well, the people, I hear but lots of people. What, what is it?
6: Lots of people. Just one minute now. We're all ready, Uncle Billy. Come in, everybody. <laughs> Money,
4: George. A laundry basket filled with money. Money for you. Mary did it, George. I
6: Mary. I don't understand. What money? What? People heard you in trouble, darling. These people, your friends, they've collected this money for you. The $8,000. Charlie. Hey, there's
12: Mary. There's Martini. Uh, Mr. Gower. Hey, how are you, Mr. Gower? Mrs. Thompson? Ed? Tom? Everybody. Huh? None of us would have a roof over our heads if it wasn't for you, George. Garth, this is wonderful. Hey, Mary, look. Look who's coming in. Mother. Hi, Mother. Hey, and Harry. Got Mary's telegram, George. Yeah. I flew in as fast as hey, I could. Hey, everybody, a toast. How about a toast? Lord, good idea,
15: Ernie. Yeah. A toast to my big brother, George, the richest man in town.
5: Good
12: Oh, Lord,
6: there's something written in it.
12: Dear George, remember no man is a failure who has friends. Thanks for the wings. Love, Clarence. Clarence? Yeah, he's a very dear friend of mine.
6: Daddy, this is well every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings.
15: That's right, Zuzu. That's right. That's right. a boy, Clarence. All right,
14: So long as we can have such fine performances As we enjoyed tonight From Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed, and Victor Moore Jimmy, I'd like to thank Whatever guardian angel whisked you back from
6: Texas For our
14: show this evening
12: Well, that guardian angel was an airline's wing, uh, Bill You
6: were in Texas for the premiere of this picture Weren't
12: you, Jimmy? Yeah, Frank Capra and I went down For five openings as many nights Pretty oh, good down the there, in in Texas, Texas yeah. Jimmy. Yeah, every one of them. There are five premiers overtaking. You know, it's a pretty big state. It takes that many. <laughs>
14: Jimmy, I'm sure your fans were proud to read that you received an honorary degree from Princeton just
12: the other week.
6: Yes. How about that, Jimmy? Do we call you Professor now?
12: No, 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 no. It's, it's just an MA. A uh, Master of Arts. Well, I It might have been. I don't know. It might be for murdering architecture. That's what I studied <laughs> at Princeton. <laughs> well, you know, Donna has an honorary degree to her credit too. L-L-C What's that,
14: Bill? L-L-C? Well, you can see for yourself A lovely Lux complexion
6: <laughs> Well, thank you, Bill Or rather, thank Lux toilet soap It's a wonderful complexion, Care I use it faithfully
14: With wonderful results, I see uh, What's happening next Monday night on Lux, Bill? Next week, we have another of the season's most successful films It's 20th Century Fox's thrilling screen hit Her to Heaven With lovely Gene Tierney and a star who appears in answer to literally hundreds of requests. Cornell Wilde. Best, based on a best-selling novel of the same name, Leave Her to Heaven is the strange, dramatic story of a woman whose twisted mind and fiendish jealousy drive her to any lengths to hold the man she loves.
15: Now that ought to make great listening, Bill.
6: I wouldn't miss it for anything. Good night. night. Good night, and thanks a million.
14: Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, join me in inviting you to be with us again next Monday evening, when the Lux Radio Theater presents Gene Tierney and Cornell Wilde in Lever to Heaven. This is William Keeley, saying good night to you from
3: Hollywood.
10: Here's a sure way to save on your meat and grocery bills. Turn in used patch kitchen fats to your butcher and receive a generous price for every pound. The worldwide supply of fats is still desperately short, and every drop you save helps in the making of soap, refrigerators, and other needed items. So save and turn in your used kitchen fats. Donna Reed appeared through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of The Beginning or the End, starring Brian Donlevy and Robert Walker. James Stewart will soon be seen in the Robert Riskin production for RKO, Magic Town. Victor Moore will soon be seen in Roy Ruth's production, It Happened on Fifth Avenue. Our music was directed by Louis Silvers. This program is broadcast to our men and women overseas through cooperation with the Armed Forces Radio Service. And this is your announcer, John Milton Kennedy, reminding you to tune in again next Monday night to hear Lever to Heaven with Gene Tierney and Cornell Wilde.
3: When you bake and fry, fry. for you cake and pie, by.
5: Rely, Rely
0: on, on Spry on Want fried foods crisp, golden, better tasting?
11: Try Spry, the pure vegetable shortening that gives you delicious, better tasting fried
10: foods. So digestible, too, the Spry way.
3: Rely on Spry S-P-R-Y Rely on Spry S-P-R-Y
10: Be sure to listen in again next Monday night to hear the Lux Radio Theater presentation of Lieber to Heaven. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
9: March 10th, 1947, Luxrayer Theater, It's a Wonderful Life. I definitely cry over that. I That story means so much. Um. So, I always like to play that. Well, I think we'll go over and play some Ethel and Albert. So, let's see if we can go find that. Let's see here.
13: Full speech. W Walden Christmas enter shell folder view items view multi select list couple next door full one nine three seven dash one dr Christian one nine three eight 12 two zero dash dr one nine three eight 12 27 two dr one nine three nine 12 two zero dash dr one nine three nine 12 21 two dash CBS Radio visit from St one nine three nine 12 27 dr Christian one nine four zero Dash one two dash two four dash FDR dash Fireside Chat one nine four two dash one two dash two one dash Cavalcade of America dash A child is born one nine four two dash one two dash two four dash Amos and Andy dash Annual Christmas one nine four three dash one two dash two zero dash Cavalcade of one nine four three dash one two dash two four dash FDR dash Christmas Eve Fireside Chat. One nine four dash one two dash two four dash Kate Smith Variety Hour dash out one nine four four dash one two dash Two seven dash DR Christian one nine four six dash one two dash two five dash Proctor and Gamble One nine four seven dash one (esso) two dash zero nine dash ethyl and Alp One nine four seven dash one two dash one two dash ethyl and Alp One nine four seven dash one two dash two zero dash ethyl and Albert dash bad Mood dot MP3 Space